If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome, everybody, to Dragon Quest FM, where we talk about and obsess over Dragon Quest. I'm Austin. And I'm Captain BG Bear. Oh, nice callback. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I hate it a little bit. <laughs> right, of course. Yeah. But but it was a nice callback, nonetheless. Um, but yeah, Captain BG Bear and I uh, are continuing our look into the history of Dragon Quest again this week. Uh, last week, we talked about all the like background info that went into inspiring Dragon Quest, Wizardry, Ultima, D&D, Lord of the Rings, mythology, all that fun stuff. Uh, this yep. week, we're actually getting into like its creators, like Yuji Horii, and into the first Dragon Quest. Also, want to put a small disclaimer uh, on this episode like I did last week and say that we are not experts. We are doing this nope. for fun. So while we are going to be throwing out some facts, some of this is speculation and some of it's our own opinions. So, uh, so yeah, disclaimer, disclaimer over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so last week, I think we got up to uh, Dragon Quest and I recommended people listen back to uh, Dan's episode where he talked about mm-hmm. Yuji Hori's life and everything. So I hope people listening... Uh, listen to that, maybe listen to it again as a refresher. There was a lot of good stuff in that episode that Dan talked about, and I don't want to repeat on that too much. But I do right. want to talk about some of the like interesting things that I think went into Yuji Hori creating Dragon Quest. I mean, he's the creator of the series, so we, we got to talk about him if we're doing like a history dive into right. the series. Yeah, for sure. It'd be like talking about Jurassic Park without talking about Steven Spielberg or Michael Crichton. See, I was going to say talking about Jurassic Park without talking about dinosaurs. <laughs> and I realized that after I thought that, that is not the direction that the analogy would go. Yeah. But I'm also I'm also going to stand by it that uh It's weird that we both went to Jurassic Park though. Yeah. Yeah. That's So actually the reason it's fresh on my mind is we've been watching the Jurassic Park movies with my oldest daughter Naomi. Okay, yeah. I realize this has nothing to do with Dragon Quest, but anyway, we finished up Jurassic World last night, the first Jurassic World nice. movie. We've been we've been watching them all in order, but she's got to where she's she does this really funny thing because I was afraid, you know, she's only five, and I was afraid some of the dinosaur eating people would be like weird for her. Yeah, maybe scary. She's not scared at all. Uh, instead, what she does is she does voices for the dinosaurs. Oh and no! So last night she was like a Spinosaurus, and like it's showing you the Spinosaurus just eating all sorts of people and she's sitting on the couch and she's like, Oh, I wonder what this human's going to taste like. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Yeah. Which is hilarious. But also I'm like, why are you not disturbed by this child? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, there is that also to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, we've been having a good time. 
Yeah, uh, we also one. just watched Jurassic World probably a week ago, maybe, maybe two, where I'd really wanted to watch the new Jur- the Jurassic World movies before the new one comes out in uh, in the summer. And uh, so I was I was really enjoying that. The Indominus Rex is ridiculous. and But yeah, so dinosaurs on the brain. Yeah, I guess that's why we both uh, went there. But anyway, so Yuji Horii, uh, before he created Dragon Quest and all of this uh, fun stuff that we know today, he... Uh, he got work uh, with like comics, with manga, and he had like his own weekly column where he talked about video games. And I believe that column ran in Weekly Shonen Jump, which matters because this was important to the overall success of Dragon Quest. Um, I did think it was interesting, and I wanted to mention this. I think people heard me mention this on the podcast before, but there's there's a Dragon Quest book out there called The Legend of Dragon Quest. Mm-hmm. Um I did not write this one. I, people maybe don't know that. I did not write this one. This was not my Dragon Quest book. I'm not being like one of those pompous, like, <laughs> let me read for my own book, people. Uh, but no, but in that, uh, there was an interesting uh, thing from, it's a Game Center CX episode, I guess, with the Yuji Hori interview. And uh, anyway, where Yuji Hori said he chose the name Dragon Quest uh, because dragon uh, is meaningful to everyone. And quest is an enigmatic word with multiple meanings, but it also mm-hmm. has like a powerful combination uh, in in Japanese uh, because he likes the the title starting with the sounds T or D, uh, which have a <laughs> power behind them. So I guess which is why he didn't go with the Japanese uh, typical Japanese word for dragon, which is like Ryu Ru. I don't know. Oh, Bre- yeah. Breath of Fire, you know, their protagonist of yeah. Breath of Fire, Breath of Fire 2 is Ryu, which means dragon. Uh, and so that, but that's why. That's why it's not Ryu Quest. Huh. I yeah. didn't even, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And never even and, crossed my mind. And of course, uh, it also, that led to uh, the shortening Draku in, in Japan because that's a thing in the culture. They, sh- they shorten things and, and smush them together. There's a term for it. <laughs> That escapes me at the men at the for the moment, but uh, but anyway, they they shorten things and then smush them together, and uh, which is something that Americans should do more often. Like that'd be cool. We I guess just make cl- weird portmanteaus. I guess things. the I guess the closest thing we have is a Big Mac. <laughs> it's a Big <laughs> Mac. What do you call this Big McDonald's sandwich? Big Mac. That's that. I don't even know how to continue that conversation (laughs) i I, am i am completely speechless in terms of how to contribute after that yeah um anyway i'll just keep going on so (laughs) so yuji hori anyway he he got his start in in manga writing about video games things like that he made a number of video games before dragon quest came out because he, he had entered, as the story goes, this is familiar to a lot of Dragon Quest fans, I realize, but he entered this Enix-sponsored uh, programming contest, and he had this game, it was called Love Match Tennis, uh, which was just, I mean, it's what it sounds like, it was a tennis video game, and from there, he went on to do uh, Portopia Serial Murder Case, and huh. and several other, other games that followed after that, before coming up with the, this idea for Dragon Quest. Uh, from interviews and things that I've read, it was basically that he, he these other games, uh, you know, kind of had some, like the Protopia uh, serial murder case ha- was very much uh, narratively driven and had you mm-hmm. talking to like other characters and things like that. And so he 
uh, he wanted to take that kind of, I guess, visual novel, for lack of a better term for what this game was, right. put that in like a high fantasy setting because he liked the idea, the gameplay behind Portopia, but he wanted to like combine that with Wizardry and Ultima. And so uh, Dragon Quest uh, was kind of born uh, from that. He also had uh, he also had a partner, Koichi Nakamura. Koichi Nakamura? I said that name and now I'm like, that's the guy, right? Uh, Nakamura. So you said it, and I'm like, I think that's the dude. Yeah, uh, and so anyway, who who helped him served as like a programmer for the first uh, for the first like five, I think, Dragon Quest games. He even directed a few of them. Founder of Spike, which is now Spike Chunsoft, uh, and uh, has gone his own way. But you know, Spike Chunsoft has also handled a number of Dragon Quest games. So mm-hmm. I have to think that their relationship there is still pretty solid. Uh, but anyway, one thing that I think is really funny is that I read this interview with Yuji Hori where this is, this is some good, uh, like ethically gray area that I can get behind. And honestly, it sounds, <laughs> sounds kind of like something you and I would do. Like it makes me feel more connected with Yuji Hori in a certain way. But anyway, he had this gaming column on, on weekly Shonen Jump where he wrote about video games. Oh, and, cool. I didn't realize that. Yeah. I said it like three minutes ago. <laughs> Well, I know, but just in general, like, I didn't realize that before this. I gotcha. Yeah. And anyway, he had this before Dragon Quest came out. So he used that column to write about Dragon Quest, his own video game, (laughs) and cause hype for it. Because, you know, this was weekly Shonen Jump. Like, this had a very huge readership. And so he used that as kind of like an audience to hype his own video game, uh, which I don't believe he said it was his video game. I think it was like just in his video game column for the week. He's like, hey, there's this cool <laughs> game. It's called Dragon Quest. This is what it's like. And so that kind of helped with Cells initially is because he, you, you know, you had the creator that already had his own column in this popular uh, magazine publication. And, uh, and so, you know, he was able to hype that more. And I just think that's really funny that he, uh, he used his video game column to, to promote his own video game. Uh, but I mean, why, why wouldn't you? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you're given that platform, absolutely. Uh, that's that's fantastic. It's just like if we had a podcast and we're to tell people to go download Nimbus, a steampunk novel from Amazon. <laughs> it's it's th- pretty much the same thing. I see what you did there. Yeah, right. Eh? Yeah, I, I appreciate it. Um, and then you had, you had two of its other big creators. Uh, you had... Uh, Akira Toriyama and Koichi Sugiyama. And so Toriyama was also majorly uh, a, a big factor here for, for the game's initial success because they needed some hook. Like Yuji Horii had kind of caused some stirrings like in the quote-unquote industry uh, of gaming. And so there was some interest there. He did have his own column, so he kind of had an audience where he could share things. Uh, that he could share things with, but they really needed, there wasn't like a big name associated with it yet. And then you had Akira Toriyama, who was known for like Dr. Slump, Dragon Ball uh, was huge at the time. And so that was like a major steal uh, for, for Dragon Quest. I feel like was getting Toriyama. uh, Well, of course. Yeah. And I, I read uh, in the, the Dragon Quest 11, collector's edition uh had comes with a book right that has like right character designs monster designs all that kind of fun stuff but it also has an interview 
with the with the three big creators here uh, that I thought was really interesting because it it goes into some of the details with Dragon Quest Eleven what they you know want to look forward to in Dragon Quest Twelve but also like kind of what got them uh, together and apparently uh, Toriyama like like Yuji Horii knew he wanted Toriyama to like do his video game yeah but he wasn't sure how to how to do that. And anyway, according to this interview with them, they said that what kind of bonded them was that they went and saw, uh, I can't remember which movie it was, but a Godzilla movie. I can't remember which Godzilla movie. Oh, yeah. But they went and saw Godzilla together and kind of uh, bonded them. And they were like, hey, we can, we can be friends. We, we should totally work together. And so, uh, so we have Godzilla partially to thank for Dragon Quest creation, because without it, maybe these two creators would have never bonded in that way. I love the idea of just them leaving the theater and they're like, you like Godzilla? I like Godzilla. Are we best friends now? Yeah, it's and like it's the stepbrothers. Stepbrothers, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Except instead of John Stamos, it's uh, it's Godzilla that they bonded over. Yeah. Um, it probably would have been weird if they bonded over John Stamos because I don't think that would have been really weird because was he was probably like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was he like? Thirteen years old or something? Then like, I yeah, don't know. he was just some like unknown American boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like you like John Stamos? <laughs> He's got to go far. <laughs> <laughs> now that would be a story to tell if Yuji Hori discovered John Stamos with Akira Toriyama. I know this has nothing to do with Dragon Quest, but it's just kind of a fun fact that I want to share. Uh, my aunt, she grew up like on the uh, kind of like vaudeville, like theater circuit. Mm-hmm. And okay. anyway, her parents, both of her parents were actors in theater, traveled around a lot. And anyway, so she has like all of these interesting stories with some people who went on to become celebrities and some people who were celebrities at the time. Okay, uh, But anyway, her dad was even in some movies. Like he's the, uh, I think he's, the mayor maybe in the first Rocky movie. Like, I don't think he has a speaking line, but like Rocky shakes his hand and everything. Huh. Uh, but anyway, so this doesn't have anything to do with John Stamos, but anyway, she has a pretty funny story about John Stamos where uh, he was in, I guess he was acting with her dad. Like she accidentally hung up on John Stamos. Uh, yeah. Cause he called, he called their house and I guess he was coming over for dinner. Anytime, you know, you play the game, two truths and a lie. <laughs> uh that's like one of her go-to things is like i hung up on john stamos because <laughs> it sounds like a lie <laughs> it does absolutely um, john stamos called me i'm like the hell with you john stamos click <laughs> yeah exactly but anyway so toriyama yuji hori uh they were kind of on board and then they they needed a a composer and again some of this may have been embellished by history Right, because I mean, it's kind of hard to to see what. Uh, sometimes it's hard to separate like myth from what really happened right. with, with some of these stories, um, but we like to think that they're all true. So anyway, the story with Koichi Sugiyama goes that he had written to Enix about a game, like you know how video games used to come with a, like the comment card that uh-huh. you could fill out or I like do. call the number. Yeah, I wish video games had that again. I, I missed that. I never did it, but it was still like. I don't know. It's still neat, yeah. Yeah, like I, I just miss manuals in general, I think. But um, but yeah, anyway. So he had done one of those things, and and uh, like I guess, and he was pretty famous composer at this point already. Uh, so yeah. I guess uh, someone from Enix, maybe the president of Enix, someone was like, "Hey," like they called him in because they were like, "Oh my gosh, you know, Sugiyama is like 
like like called him with a comment here <laughs> yeah <laughs> like like let's talk to this guy and uh anyway and once they got to talking everything like that just kind of bounced the idea off of him like hey would you be interested in like composing for video games it was someone at enix because dragon quest was not his first composed video game but someone at enix and he was like sure you know yeah that sounds good and then yuji hori wanted sugiyama sugiyama at that point had already composed a couple of games uh leading up to this and then uh and i this was also from an interview where they were expecting because you know music was done in chiptune and Uh so they were expecting to get chiptunes back because people are you know making chiptune music and Uh anyway instead sugiyama had like this very classical you know orchestral sounding music which kind of helped lay the groundwork for all of dragon quest later on because Dragon Quest had this, uh, even though it, what it did have to be like turned into chip tunes <laughs> because of technology. Um, it started off, you know, very much not as a chip tune, and so I feel like that really impacted the music and made it so memorable. And you know, it's probably a big reason why so many JRPGs have those kind of classical orchestral soundtracks now. That really may be, yeah. And uh, so anyway, that's so really guys, awesome, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's almost like it's almost like the like with anything great, I guess it was really more of just like a several happy accidents, uh-huh. <laughs> Ra- rather than like this huge plan. And uh, and so I've always thought that was cool. Some of the some of the background that went into creating uh, the first Dragon Quest game. Before we keep talking about the first Dragon Quest game, though, it is time for a little shameless self promotion. Beep, 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 shameless, boop, 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 beep, boop, shameless, beep, boop. Oh, that was a chip tune, shameless. It was, it was trying, I was trying. Yeah. It didn't work, I don't think, but it was a thing. Yeah, I see what you did there. That's good. I'm touching my nose, you can't see, but my finger is on my nose. I understand you. So anyway, we do have a Patreon page. You can find that over at patreon.com slash FM if you'd like to help support this podcast. Huge shout out to all of our patrons. Uh, we've got several new patrons in the last few weeks. So thank all of you, uh, new, old, any uh, prospective patrons who are listening to this right now. Thank you all in advance. We greatly appreciate it. Um, also, we like to do community spotlights from time to time. So I wanted to mention uh, Slimepedia. It's like uh, it's like Wikipedia or like Brickopedia for Legos, you know, but it's like uh, a new one where they're trying to put together a whole bunch of Dragon Quest stuff for a wiki, which seems pretty cool. And they're That's looking cool. for editors. So if you know a lot about Dragon Quest and want to help edit this new wiki, uh, Slimepedia has launched. They're taken off off the ground. Uh, spoke with someone from there. I don't know who it was, but someone from there uh, on Twitter the other day. They were super nice. And so Slimepedia, check it out. And it says it's run by slimes, but I feel like the person I was talking to was not a slime. I feel like it was that. But you never know. I mean, slimes are tricky. You never know. Yeah, it could have been a slime uh, on the computer. Wouldn't that be cool, though? (laughs) It would be. Do they use a lot of goo puns? They do on their account, which I can appreciate, too. And I assume you can appreciate it as well, because you... Of course, of course. I mean, in the conversation with you, were they... uh, Oh, not... Were they gooing all over you? Not in in the conversation. (laughs) Not in the conversation with me, uh, but... But yeah, I feared you could appreciate it uh, from their Twitter account because you make goo puns more than 
any goo men that I know. See, nah, see now I'm see in what you it. did. Nah, yeah. nah, I'm, pull, I'm touching my nose. <laughs> uh, anyway, so be sure to check that out. Uh, also want to mention, since this is shameless self-promotion, uh, started a new thing with Dragon Quest Austin uh, that I put like a little announcement up on the blog because I hadn't updated it in like a good 10 months. Uh, but I'm starting this new thing where I'm trying my best. Again, this is a lot to do, but I'm trying my best to interview a Dragon Quest fan from like every country in the world, like every country, which I think, which is a lofty goal. It's a lofty goal. I think that's goal. a lofty goal that you may not reach. And I may not reach it, but hey, it's a good goal to go for. And the more, the more people I find, the better. Because number one, I just want more people to get to share their Dragon Quest stories. And so not that just a ton of people read my DQ blog, but still it's like a unified place where people can check those kind of things out. And also, I don't know, I like most people are probably like really bummed out about the news in the world lately. And so like I've been like just really, I don't know, just very depressed about all of this the last few weeks. And so I was like, you know what? I can't do like a tons of things in my power but one cool thing that might be fun for everyone is just getting to connect to other people in the world even even if it's something as silly as like dragon quest silly in terms of like everything that's going on with like ukraine and everything. wait have i have i missed something what's going on <laughs> yeah ha, ha, ha. and <laughs> anyway so my hope there is that it just kind of gets people helps promote the series but also gets people kind of more connected with other dragon quest fans from around the world that they may have not known about otherwise and uh, anyway, I've already started interviewing some people uh, and have some from around half a dozen or so countries right now. And uh, from from the people who have, who have gotten back to me with interviews so far, like uh, I, I found it very fascinating. I think other Dragon Quest fans will, too. And none of that is live yet, but uh, keep a lookout for it. And that's over at DragonQuestAustin.com, which I haven't promoted in a very long time. But uh, hopefully there's going to be a lot of exciting interviews and content up there soon that people can enjoy i'm excited for. yeah it'll be really cool i'm excited to read these yeah going back into today's episode uh dragon quest one um i think that this was one of those things that again this is an interview that uh is this one this one again kind of like the dragon quest naming thing came from the legend of dragon quest book um and anyway it said that uh, in there, it's talking about like the the prep work that went into with, at Enix after Dragon Quest was like finished as a game, but like before it had officially released, they were like very much on this deadline to get everything out, and they were already kind of planning ideas for a second one. Mm-hmm. And, but at the same time, this was like not the kind of this was kind of new territory in a lot of ways, um, and uh, this digressing from the book for a second but you know zelda the first zelda game came out just a few months before dragon quest did yes and uh they did have a lot of similarities they were fantasy worlds they had like a silent protagonist you had like a sword and a shield um they were made so closely together you know it's hard to say like these like it's hard to say that Zelda inspired, inspired Dragon Quest because they were being worked on so simultaneously that i really don't see a way that that would be possible yeah, they were side by side in development, I mean, concurrently. So it's very unlikely outside of, you know, inside information, talking any kind of like stuff that you knew was going on. It's the deep impact uh, Armageddon thing. <laughs> yeah, really. That was, it's still so weird. <laughs> what? Those movies came out? 
Yeah, that they came out just so soon. It's like, man, the the asteroid apocalypse stuff. It's like that was a thing. Yeah. At the you same know, time. You know JJ Abrams, that was like his first uh like Hollywood thing was he wrote the screenplay for uh Armageddon. I did. I did know that. Yeah, and it didn't kill his career. Hey, I loved Armageddon. <laughs> when it came out, I was all in, dude. Like it was I loved it so much. Uh I remember watching it and thinking it was cool, but I was also a kid. Um <laughs> I think I was, I was also like a 14 maybe. Yeah, so you were a stupid kid too. I don't know how it would yeah. hold up as an adult. I don't know. I haven't seen it like I haven't seen it since I was an adult. I think I saw it sometime in college and I probably haven't seen it in 20 years. Yeah. So anyway, uh... I, think, I, <laughs> I think it's one of those kind of situations where it was like this was being done like at the same time and they just kind of happened to release uh, around the same time as one another. And anyway, but but Zelda had come out just a couple of months beforehand. And so I think there was a certain amount of, of kind of nervousness or anxiousness, I guess, with the first Dragon Quest game releasing. But then it released, and partially because Toriyama was famous, partially because Yuji Horii had been uh, hyping it up on Weekly Shonen Jump. Right. But this, uh, but you know, Dragon Quest just became like this success pretty pretty quickly um, from from some of the way back when '80s interviews with stuff going on at Enix. I get the feeling that it was kind of like a. Uh, we don't know how this is going to do. And then it did well. And it was yeah. like, Oh, we knew this was going to do well all along kind of situations yeah. uh, that, that some companies have. And anyway, so they, they greenlit more projects. They were already Nakamura and Yuji Hori already had uh, like ideas for a sequel. They had started, uh, you know, working on this already. And this is where you get into the, the difficulty in Dragon Quest II <laughs> is that you yeah. know, the first one came out in 86. The second one came out in 87, which is really nuts to think about, especially with how long uh, video game development takes now. Yeah. Like, could you imagine like a, a new IP coming out? That'd be like Forspoken is like the, the uh, Square Enix IP that's releasing later this year, new IP. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine Forspoken coming out in 2022 and then Forspoken 2 uh, comes out in, in 2023. Like that would just be nah. really crazy to think about, right? Like, like you wouldn't even think about that happening now. And so they did, they, they went ahead, dived into Dragon Quest two. They said, this is, comes from a schmuplations.com, which had, which uh, this guy translates uh, old interviews, mostly Japanese interviews into English, which is really awesome. Highly recommend the site. I've like found out so many cool Dragon Questy things uh, from hmm. reading their interviews. But anyway, there's this interview that they translated where they essentially are talking about Dragon Quest 2 and they're saying that they were kind of on a, it was, kind, it was not really crunch, but almost like crunch before crunch was crunch. And for those of you playing, a, <laughs> for those of you playing a drinking game, crunch, 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 crunch. Um, but, <laughs> But yeah, uh, but it was like they were they were very much stressed about getting this out in a timely manner. And so like right before the game was releasing, they realized like that none of them had gotten all the way through it. Like the the big devs had gotten through all the game and which accounts for which accounts, at least in part, for the major difficulty curve there is because they had this game coming out and the 
math, the algorithms that they had programmed in all on the surface seemed fine, but they didn't have as much time to play test it as most games have, especially nowadays. And so, so that's why Dragon Quest two was difficult. And it's also why Dragon Quest two, it had these uh, pixelated like cutscenes that they were going to put into the game, which would have been huge for that time. I mean, in 1987, this would have been like revolutionary, but they had to cut it because of time constraints and also memory constraints on the, 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 cartridges that that an nes uh game came on is absolutely insanely small like i followed the development of a game called dungeons and doom nights uh from artix entertainment that did a kickstarter uh for for a new nes game that they actually put out i have the cartridge now uh need to hook it up into my nes but one of the things that they were talking about is just how hard it is to fit everything on there like especially today but going through with the limited color palette the sounds uh the way that you have to do animations and all of it like the idea of including the cutscenes on top of a game like dq2 is mind-boggling if they had been able to pull it off yeah for sure and then uh i want to talk about before we end i don't want to i don't mean to run us long today uh, but I do want to talk a little bit because we talked about D and D last week. I want to talk about how D and D, or at least TSR, uh, to a certain extent, impacted uh, Dragon Quest over here in the West. Because then you had Dragon Warrior, uh, which came out in '89 in the states over in North America, yeah. right? Which was you know quite a few years after it had debuted in Japan, uh, but it's still important to kind of looking at the history of the series here. Uh, there's the Nintendo Power promotion, which we've talked about on this show. Uh, I feel like is pretty common knowledge at this point, but in case you don't know that, the quick TLDR: uh, Nintendo they really wanted this game to succeed, so they gave away free copies uh, of Dragon Warrior with a Nintendo Power subscription. Uh-huh. They did things like guides. Uh, like Explorer books and like all sorts of stuff that came with Nintendo Power and freebies as a way to try to entice people into playing Dragon Warrior. Like Nintendo really invested a lot of a lot of effort into this. And they also did it because it wasn't selling. That uh, they had all of these cartridges and it didn't sell to the Western audiences like they had hoped. And this was a promotional effort to get them to buy it and then to get dq2 when it came out because it was already way out in japan this was many years after the first one had come out in japan yeah it already come out in japan was already a pretty big hit there so they were like let's try this success over here they couldn't call it dragon quest because there was a a uh board game rpg game Mm -hmm. that was uh that was called dragon quest already that eventually was owned by by tsr who was really big around this time because of Dungeons and Dragons, especially. And yep. uh, this was kind of getting into those waning years of D and D at that point. But part of me also wonders if that's why they had trouble was because TSR was having financial trouble at this point in the late eighties. And so they yep. were trying to hold on to all of their like trademark names. So they're like, no, we got to keep Dragon Quest. Uh-huh. And so it came over as Dragon Warrior. That was just an easy way to do it. Dungeons and Dragons still had influence. You can tell by its art. I mean, you look at the artwork for oh, especially for sure. the first, uh, especially the first two uh, Dragon Warrior games. And I mean, it looks straight up like what you would see on like a D and D campaign book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it 
it's beautiful art, but it's also so different from the game art that uh, it, it, it's an odd choice in terms of of putting it together. But it was straight up to try to hit Dungeons and Dragons fans. It was trying to hit people who liked fantasy novels and were used to that kind of cover. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I like the covers. Um, I oh yeah, they're pretty. I definitely like. I mean, I like them in their own way. It's like it's very hard to. It's very hard for me, at least, to compare it to Toriyama's art because I mean, I, I really like them both, but in different ways. If that makes sense, like I can't. Right. Yeah. Like I can't say like, oh, the Dragon Quest one cover is way better than the Dragon Warrior one cover because I really do. I like them. I like them both in different ways. One thing that I only found out very recently is the the Nintendo Power uh, Dragon Warrior box uh, uh-huh. ha- has different writing on it than the one if you had bought it. Really? I didn't know this. Yeah, and so I checked. This was just a casual conversation I'd kind of seen online with uh, Justin Andrew Mason. He used to be one of our patrons. He does like D&D maps. Uh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Posts like free ones up all the time. Really cool guy. And anyway, uh, that's something I found out from from him is that there were uh is that there's apparently different uh there's different typing on the back and if you listen i know i'm being extra shameless this week but if you Uh, listen to the dragon warrior one episode of jrpgs and me uh i talk about that more in depth but yeah there's a there's a little difference in it so if you want to see which version you have uh then that's a that's a good way to look and now now it's probably hard to tell because there's so much box reproduction that goes on and people selling like uh reproductions on ebay and things for retro games it's probably hard to to like see the difference there but yeah there are there are two uh different backs to dragon warrior uh here in in the states and uh i mean even though it didn't even though it didn't succeed in the west and this is going to be a tease for next week's episode (laughs) even though it didn't succeed in the west uh we still got a lot more uh, in North America than other countries got. And so uh, next week, we're going to be talking about Dragon Warrior, uh, Dra- Dragon Quest Three. It's a huge impact on Japan and exploring more of the history of Dragon Quest, but then also maybe getting ahead just a little bit to talk about uh, Dragon Quest in some other countries, which kind of goes hand in hand with what, uh, with the interviews I'm doing. So Yeah, with your uh, next pet project. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, thank you guys for listening to this week's episode. Remember, you can talk to us on Twitter at DragonQuestFM. If you want to talk to me individually, you can find me on Twitter at DragonQuaston. And there was something else I was going to say, but I don't remember what it was. So I'll let BJ go now. <laughs> and you can talk to me on Twitter at Professor Beach. You can listen to my other podcast, the Geek to Geek podcast, uh, wherever you're listening to this. And you can talk to us on Discord at discord.geek2geekmedia.com. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Beep, boop, beep, boop, boop.